know, I think one of the great challenges that we face at Christmas time is keeping our focus on why we celebrate and who we celebrate. I read this past week about a cartoon that once appeared in a newspaper. The first frame of this newspaper cartoon shows a mother reading the Christmas story to her young son. And as she's reading the Christmas story to her young son, he kind of has a puzzled look upon his face. And then he thinks to himself, let me see if I've got this straight. Christmas is baby Jesus' birthday, but I get the presents. The final frame of the cartoon shows him with a satisfied grin on his face as he says to himself, is this a great religion or what? (laughs) Now, I'm not against gift giving. I'm not against all the fun that we have. But I do wonder, how did it seem that everything becomes about us when it comes to Christmas time? Uh, In the midst of shopping and wrapping presents and baking cookies and watching Christmas movies and hanging lights and decorating trees and multiple gatherings upon gatherings upon gatherings. Where does Christ fit in? Uh, If truth be told, I'm afraid that many of us, we've lost the wonder of Christmas. It's become burdensome. It's become a stressful time in our lives that we endure rather than enjoy. Now, I'm not talking about children. Children have plenty of excitement and plenty of wonder and plenty of Christmas joy, if you will. I'm talking primarily to those of us who are adults because we have experienced Christmas over and over and over depending upon our age and, and we are have a great day. we're in a great danger. And that danger is of losing the wonder and losing the joy and losing the excitement of Christmas. So this year, I want to help all of us to retain or recapture the wonder of Christmas. And to do so, I want to, over the next month, over the next four Sundays, I want us to spend time with the women of Christmas. We're going to look at four in particular, and we'll look at the first of the four uh, here this morning. And, and, and as I give you the first one, as we go to the passage here in just a second, you may say, wait a minute, I thought this was about Christmas. I thought this was going to be this person or that person. This may seem like a very unlikely choice for the first woman of Christmas, but I want you to stay with me. Don't, don't get up and leave. Don't check out on, uh, on me. Uh, stick with me. Believe it or not, I don't want you to go to the Gospel of Luke today. You may have already opened to the Gospel of Luke, and, and we will get there eventually uh, later in the month, God willing. But believe it or not, I want you to go to the very first book of the Bible this morning, and I want you to go right near the front. I want you to go to the book of Genesis. You say, Genesis? Yes, Genesis. Did you know that we find Christmas in Genesis? In fact, if you would, if you'll find Genesis chapter 3 in particular, Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to see Christmas in Genesis. And in fact, as I read it today, I want to see, as I'm reading, if you can find it. See if you can spot Christmas in Genesis. And we're going to talk about that today. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Uh, we won't study the entire chapter in depth, but we'll, we'll touch on the chapter and focus in specifically on Christmas here in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, if you grew up in church, a familiar story to you. Um, if church is new to you, if you are not familiar with the story of, of, of the Bible, then pay close attention because this chapter really lets us know what happens and how we got where we are today and, and as you'll see what's going to happen. Genesis chapter 3 beginning at verse number 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. 
And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field, on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, to dust you shall return." And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken so he drove out the man and he placed cherubim, that is angels, at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, by now I guess you figured out the first woman of Christmas we're going to talk about is none other than our great, 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 I don't know how many great grandmothers... Our grandmother Eve. Now perhaps you've never thought about Eve in relationship to Christmas, and yet here she is. 
This chapter is so rich, so instructive. There's so much we could talk about here. And I want to talk about temptation. I want to talk about this. We're going to stay focused when it comes here to Christmas. And, and I want to ask you a question. And the question is simply this. Why do we have Christmas in the first place? You ever thought about that? Why do we have Christmas in the first place? I mean, Christmas is great. I love Christmas. I love especially the music of Christmas. And I've been playing the music in my study. I've been playing it at home. I've been playing it in the car as I go around. We have the special times, the traditions, the decorations, the food, the presents, the plays, all that goes on. You know, I know I'm going to see a sea of red and green each Sunday as I stand and look out over you. I love Christmas, but it's a special time. But why do we have Christmas in the first place? Well, because of the story that we just read. That's why we have Christmas. In it we see the fall of man. Let's call it the human tragedy. The human tragedy. This is way back at the beginning, literally. And way back at the beginning, literally here, you have perfect people living in a perfect place with perfect circumstances in fellowship with a perfect God. I mean, everything was perfect. This would make Mary Poppins jealous. You know, she was practically perfect in every way, she thought. But this would make her jealous to look at how things were in the Garden of Eden. Perfect people at a perfect place, a perfect marriage, a perfect circumstances, perfect temperature, perfect everything in fellowship with a perfect God. Everything was perfect. That is until Eve had a conversation with a snake. By the way, be careful talking to snakes. That snake was used by none other than the devil, Lucifer, Satan himself. And the snake comes along there in the garden and things were different back then, I assume. We see no shock on Eve's face as a snake walks up and begins talking to her Ever how the snake came. Uh, if a snake comes talking to you and I, we would think differently about it. But, but here comes the snake. He was a cunning creature and he was actually being used by Satan. And that snake comes along and he begins to, to question and put some doubts in Eve's mind. And he really put a, a doubt, a cast a doubt upon the goodness of God. And Eve is deceived. And she does what God said not to do. She takes of this fruit that she was not supposed to eat and she eats it. And then she gives it, of course, to Adam. And he knowingly ate the fruit. And at that moment, everything changed. God had told them that it would. You're there in chapter 3. Look back at chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Here's what the Lord said. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. I mean, generous, gracious. Every tree you may freely eat. Eat all you want. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the day they ate, they died spiritually. And they began a process of dying physically. They ate and their eyes were open and they were filled with shame and fear and regret. And they realized they were there in their nakedness. They run, they try to hide themselves. They get together some leaves and, and they try to cover themselves. And, of course, that was not sufficient. We see later that, that God would provide skins, which, of course, point to the sacrifice of an animal and blood being shed. But they're here trying to hide themselves. Sin had entered their lives and entered their world. And things were no longer perfect like they once were. By the way, if you're wondering why things are so bad today, this is why, because of sin. 
Why is it that we have such horrible things that go on in our world? People torturing and killing little children. People doing all kinds of heinous things. You and I doing evil things. Why is it? Because of sin. And you'll notice that as the story plays out here, that God brings about judgment. He pronounces judgment upon the snake. He pronounces judgment upon the devil. And then he begins to deal with Eve and with Adam. But there's something extraordinary in the midst of this judgment that that God brings about. And that is in the midst of all of it, in the midst of this, there is tremendous hope. There is tremendous hope. In the midst of God pronouncing what's going to happen, that you're going to be sweating and laboring hard to eat, and, and Eve, you're going to be uh, in a lot more pain, and, and, and to dust you're going to return. But in the midst of it, there is a glimmer of hope. There's a, a bright light of hope in the midst of all of this. You know, I ask you to look for Christmas as we read. Did you see where it was? Did you catch Christmas here in Genesis? If not, don't worry about it. But we actually find it in a particular verse here. And the interesting thing is we find it when God is addressing the serpent, especially speaking to Satan himself. In fact, we see Christmas in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, if you didn't catch it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God is speaking to the serpent, especially to Satan here. And he says, now watch this. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You said, now, wait a minute. I don't see any wise men there. I don't see any shepherds there. I don't see a lot of what I know about the Christmas story. So how is it you could say that's Christmas In Genesis, well, let's talk about it. There's so much in that verse. Now, while it may be included, this verse means a whole lot more than just that humans and snakes are not going to like each other very much. Now, that is true for most of us. I won't take the time to tell you about the battle that I had in recent days with a snake. Maybe a year ago, as one was sneaking into our garage in the back and my wife says I'm not going in there anymore until you kill that snake and I had to weigh out whether I wanted to just let the snake live or let my wife be happy and so I went to battle against this giant snake Uh, he was giant to me I found out that my garden hoe was not very sharp but anyway I'll spare you of the details but you know there might be a little bit of that that yes that snakes and most people how many of you love snakes and let me see your hands Okay, one. Okay, there you go. My, oh, two. I have, my point is proven. For most of us, we don't like snakes. But there's a whole lot more to this than just that humans and snakes are not going to really get along a whole lot. This verse says there's going to be enmity between the snake and the woman. Enmity means hostility or ill will. That is between the serpent and the woman, between their seeds. This has the idea, beloved, that there would be a great battle between good and evil in our world, between Jesus and Satan, if you will. And we see that battle playing out even in our own day. We see it playing out every day of our lives. There's a battle raging between good and evil. It reminds us there is a spiritual warfare, there's a spiritual battle that's going on that we don't see with our physical, human, naked eye, but it's going on nonetheless. We're involved in spiritual warfare. But it gets very specific here. Notice what he says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman 
between your seed and her seed, then watch what it says. He, we're getting specific now, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, I'll be honest, I don't know how much Adam and Eve would have understood about all of this. I don't know how much even the early readers of Genesis would have understood about all this, but we have the advantage of having the completed Word of God. We have the closed canon of Scripture. We have the completed Bible. And in these few words here, we have Christmas and we have so much more. I don't know if you caught it or not. In Genesis 3.15... Um, we have here the divine remedy. Remember, there's the tragedy, but then there's the divine remedy. And what is that remedy? What is that hope? Well, it's this. In this, this verse, we have the virgin birth. We have the incarnation. We have the cross. We have the resurrection. And we have the final defeat of Satan. All of that is contained in those words in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. We have Christmas. We have the cross. I guess we could say we have Easter. We could preach this message again, I guess, at Easter time. And we could preach it on, and talk about prophecy. We could preach it then. Why? Because in these words, and we're going to walk through it in case you're still like, I don't get it. What's he talking about? I'll walk you through it in a moment. We have the virgin birth, the incarnation, the cross, the resurrection of the final defeat and doom of Satan. The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, said about Genesis 3.15, this is the first gospel sermon that was ever delivered upon the surface of this earth. It was a memorable discourse indeed with Jehovah Himself for the preacher, the whole human race and the prince of darkness for the audience. It must be worthy of our heartiest attention. And we're going to give it our heartiest attention for just a few moments. You know, at Christmas we celebrate the virgin birth of Jesus Christ to Mary. Um, that is known as the incarnation. Incarnation is just a fancier word to simply say this, that Jesus, who is God, became man without ceasing to be God. That's what the incarnation means. Jesus, who is God, became man without ceasing to be God. Let me just remind you as we enter into the Christmas season, because we look at manger scenes and we see baby Jesus there. And no manger scene, no nativity scene is complete without the baby Jesus. But I've got to remind you of something. That was not the beginning of Jesus. That was the beginning of Jesus in His human form. Jesus is God. He's always been God. He'll always be God. As God, He is eternal. No beginning, no ending. But there came a point in time where He robed Himself in flesh. And the incarnation is all about the fact that God became man, but He didn't stop being God. He actually became perfect God and perfect man joined together forever. In fact, the Bible teaches He's still wearing that flesh this day. In fact, the Bible tells us He still wears it in His body the marks of the cross. And He will, and we'll see Him with those marks in His body. But the incarnation. But we have here the virgin birth. You say, well, okay, I'm beginning to understand it. What do you mean by the virgin birth? Well, notice it says, it talks about her seed. Her seed. Very unusual way to say it. Normally you would say his seed, or the Bible would mention his seed, but here it says her seed. That is, of course, referring to the virgin birth. The woman's seed is going to crush the head of the devil. The virgin birth. That's what we celebrate. Let me ask you, why is the virgin birth so important? You know, there are those who deny the virgin birth. 
The virgin birth is important, beloved, because if, if, if Christ would have been born like all of us, that is the union of a man and a woman together, then he would have inherited Adam's sin nature. But because he was born of a virgin, he did not receive that human sinful nature. Instead, he was born in perfection. You say, well, why is that important? Well, it's important because if he had inherited Adam's sinful nature, then he would not have been able to sacrifice himself for our sin because he would have his own sin. And of course, we know that that's not the case because he's God. He can't even look upon sin. And so the virgin birth is vital to the Christmas story. And there are those who say, oh, you know, that just can't happen. Well, listen, if, if you believe the beginning back here in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, if you believe that, then you should have no problem believing that God could implant a child in the womb of a virgin. The real key is, do you believe the first verse of the Bible? If you don't believe the first verse, you have trouble all the way through. But if you believe that God is the Creator of the heavens and the earth, I mean, this is, this is very simple for Him to do. Miraculous, yes, but He was able to put the Lord Jesus as in the virgin's womb there. So we have here her seed, the woman's seed. We have the virgin birth, her seed, that is the incarnation, Jesus. And next we have the cross and the resurrection and the doom and defeat of Satan. Look at it again. He's talking, God is talking to the serpent, primarily to Satan now. Verse 15 again. And I'll put enmity, hostility, ill will between you, devil, and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Now watch the next part. He, so not just a general seed, he, a person, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is, he's saying that this seed of the woman is going to defeat you, snake, going to defeat you, Satan. You'll bruise this heel, but he'll crush your head. What is this? This is none other than the cross. You remember what the Bible says about Jesus? You know, we talk about here that the snake, Satan's going to bruise this heel. heel. You remember the Bible says what? That Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and by His stripes we were healed. This is the cross. It's a picture of the cross. The woman's seed, He is bruised for our iniquities. He is nailed to that cross. He sheds His precious blood. It appeared that the enemy had won. He died. He was buried. But then... Praise be to God, the third day He arose again and He defeated death, hell, the grave, and the serpent, Satan. And He crushed His head. He defeated Him. He's a defeated foe. And really, there's a kind of in our understanding, there's a process in it. Why? We say, well, why is all this stuff still going on? Well, there's coming a day, and I believe it's going to be very soon, by the way. The Lord Jesus is going to come back and receive us unto Himself. The rapture will be taken up to heaven with Him. There will be hell on earth here during the tribulation time. Then the Lord Jesus will come again in His second coming, set up His rule and reign, rule and reign with a rod of iron, the millennial. And then at the end, as we keep going at the end, He's going to, of course, bind Satan. And Satan will have one last uh, effort to try to thwart the plan of God, if you will. But then we know that at the end, He's thrown, Satan is thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. Hallelujah. Amen. And we know He's defeated. 
He's defeated right now. He's already defeated so. His time is limited. His head has been crushed, if you will. It's just playing out. And in time, he will be thrown into the lake of fire. So here we have, this is pretty interesting to me. Think about the women of Christmas. We have to go all the way back to the first woman, Eve. And to the first woman, Eve, who helped get us in this mess, Adam was responsible, by the way. He was our representative. But Eve and Adam are standing there in fear and shame, regret, remorse, shaking before Almighty God. And in the midst of the judgments and the things that God gives out, He gives this glorious hope to them. Because remember, He told them that the day you eat, you're going to die. And that is true. They died spiritually. They began a process of dying physically. But did you realize in the words that the Lord gave to them that day that He gave them hope? Why? Because He talked about the woman's seed. In other words, you're not, I'm not done with you today. And we know that later He provided skins for them. There would have been bloodshed of an animal. Picturing, of course, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the Lord Jesus Himself. And so they're covered in that. But God was not done with them because the amazing thing is you have Christmas in Genesis, you have the Gospel in Genesis, and it's not fully explained, it's not fully developed, but what hope they must have brought to Adam and Eve as they stand there guilty before God knowing they failed and they sinned. And God in judgment says, wait a minute, He says, but I want you to know as he says to the servants, they're listening to him. I'm putting enmity between you and her, and her seed and your seed, and her seed's going to crush your head. You'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. And Adam and Eve realized seed. That means God's not done with us. That we're going to live. We're going to live. And, and he brought about. Because here's the awesome thing. Because we have the whole Bible. I want you to understand this. This did not catch God off guard. It wasn't one day God just, Adam, where art thou? That's not a question because God didn't know where they are. That's God going after Adam and Eve in love because they were hiding from Him. Here's the reality. God knew before He ever created Adam and Eve this was going to happen. The Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb slain from or before the foundation of the world. God knew before He ever created us that Christ was going to die for us. And that is a mind-boggling thing to wrap your arms around. To realize, knowing what we were going to do, God still gave life to us. And He gave His Son for us. You see, Christmas is so much more than just a lovely story. I asked you at the beginning, why do we need Christmas in the first place? We need Christmas because of our sin. We are lost and helpless and doomed and damned. And we need a Savior, and that's why we need Christmas. Christmas is more than just a lovely story. It's a rescue mission. That little baby was born to the Virgin Mary. Why? That He might grow up and die for us. That's why He was born. To shed His blood for us. You remember that little boy I told you about in the cartoon at the beginning? who discovered that it was Jesus' birthday 
but we get the presence. He didn't realize that what he said was so profound. It was so true. He said, Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, his birthday, but in reality, we do get the present, the ultimate present. That is, we get the Savior. Now, all that being said, as we just get into this series, as we just begin looking at these ladies, I want to ask you two questions today. Number one is this. Have you received this gift? Have you received Jesus? I don't care what else you get this year. I don't care how great the gifts are. I don't care anything else that you might get. Nothing is greater than this gift. That is the Savior. And if you've never received the Savior, may I encourage you, may I implore you today, recognize the Bible says all of us have sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned, we've all sinned. Jesus was born. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He gave His life on the cross. He defeated death, hell, sin, the grave, and Satan. And He arose again victorious. And the Bible says if you will believe, you'll turn from your sin and believe, give your life to Christ, He will save you, forgive you, cleanse you, give you eternal life, give you hope, give you joy, give you peace. Yeah, you still live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. You still have problems. But He's there with you. He'll walk with you. And He'll take you home to glory. You've never received Jesus Christ. That is the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever receive. Give your life to Christ. Now, I know I'm talking to a lot of people who say, I've already done that. Let me ask you a question then. Have you lost the wonder of Christmas? I'm not talking about some cheesy Christmas cheer like we have in the movies. You know, we all have our cheer so we all can whatever know. I'm talking about the true wonder and excitement and awe of Christmas. To know that God not only created us, because I mean, we're only in chapter 3 of the Bible. I mean, we, we hadn't gotten far. We've already dropped the ball. We've already messed up. And He knew we were going to do it before we ever got to Genesis 1-1. And yet He came anyway. And not only came, but look at how He came. Not as a you know, in a palace with royal servants, but in a dirty, rotten manger to poor parents and a hard life and a rugged cross. Have you lost the wonder of Christmas? We're going to take it for granted. Just kind of go hum hung, ho hum along and plod through December and we've got to do this and got to do that. Now, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage me, let's celebrate Christ this Christmas. You see, that wonder is not just some kind of cheesy, weird something we do. The wonder should lead to worship. That is, we are adoring Him. We sang it this morning, that's why I love it. Adore, come let us adore. Oh, come let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. That's the true wonder and wonder and awe of Christmas. Let us meditate upon Christ's great love. And think about this, and maybe this was new to you, maybe you've known this all along, but right here, we're in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, and already God says, I'm sending a rescuer, I'm sending a Savior. The woman's seed is coming. There's hope. There's hope. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for the Savior of the world. 
Thanks be to God for Christmas. Lord, thank you. Thank you for not leaving us to ourselves. Thank you for not leaving us in our sin. Thank you for not leaving us in our dead, hopeless, doomed situation. Thank you for sending the Savior. Father, I pray if anybody here, anybody listening to me does not know for certain that they have the Savior, I pray your Holy Spirit to work in their heart and bring them to faith in Christ. And then, Lord, I pray for those of us who know you. It's so easy, Father, to get distracted. It's so easy for us to kind of lose the joy and the wonder and the awe of this special time of the year. It's so easy to forget in all of our busyness and harriedness of who we're celebrating and why we're celebrating. Help us to keep our eyes on Christ. Help us to worship you this Christmas season. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is 196. O little town of Bethlehem. The altar is open if you would like to be saved today. You say, I don't, I don't know a lot about what you talked about, but I really want to know more. And I want to give my life to Christ. I would invite you as we're singing today. We're not here to embarrass you or do anything along those lines, but I'm here. Pastor Larry's going to be here. You just need to talk to someone about how to be saved. Just come and just say that to us. I'd like to know how to be saved. And again, we're not here to parade you or embarrass you or anything. We'd love to take a Bible and just sit down and share with you Christ. That's what we're going to do if you come. And then maybe you're here and you already know Christ and maybe the Lord's spoken to your heart about something. Maybe you've already gotten a bad attitude about Christmas. I don't know what it might be. The altar's open. You come and pray. As God directs you, if we can help you, please let us know. 196, O little town of Bethlehem. Let's stand together and sing 196.